right. Well, you guys want to talk about stupid movies and shit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. let's, let's talk about some movies. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 324. Uh, one of the co-hosts, my name is Steve. I'm here as always with Ron and John. <laughs> that sounded like one of those pre-recorded things. Like, yeah, call into like <laughs> right, a, right. Yeah. You have a collect call from Ron. Ron. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, one day, one day you'll send out a version of this show where you say your part, Steve, and, and then fans can put this, their own name in there. Right. So right. it's like, and I'm here with. We get to that height. Yeah. Chad. <laughs> and as always, I'm here with you, Chad. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> That's how we monetize this podcast is let people yeah. insert their names into yeah. the intro and just make it sound as good as Ronald just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, man. We had we had yeah. we had grand plans a for a for a special episode for Thanksgiving for our, our, our Thanksgiving episode. Life got in the way. Things came up for really for so all three life. of us. And it just kind of put us down this path of like. Yeah, we're gonna have to take a week or two off and 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 get back together uh, for three twenty four now. A couple weeks later, but it's also and we given requested us- we requested that pop culture stop too right, and right. like give us yeah. a nice break. We said everything just stop coming out. People stop talking <laughs> about things. Uh, don't don't uh, don't have like an eight hour Beatles documentary come out on Apple <laughs> Plus sure. that people are going to talk about. Like, but they didn't do it. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't listen and, to us. And, and so, stop. so a ton of shit has happened in pop culture since we right. last talked. And we're going to have to try to kind of catch back up to this this current moment. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, we, we, we've got to get to this moment because in yeah. the next like week or two, like there's some big, big moments. I was trudging up, to the moment. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see yeah. it. I see it. <laughs> that was like a hi ho kind of thing. I'm going towards yeah. the moment. Very and, and that's a that's Very a reason steep. you need to subscribe yeah. to the YouTube channel so you can see what John's describing. Like, right. You Absolutely. can see this visual element that you just won't get on the podcast if you're just listening to audio only. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the YouTube channel is a, is a must if you want to see what John looks like <laughs> trudging through. The pop culture back a pileup that we have going on yeah. here <laughs> um but yeah man we're gonna go through a bunch of stuff man we got a lot of tv a lot of movies and in, in some combination two three singles like we've seen a lot of stuff obviously in the past couple of weeks some are still in theaters some are on streaming platforms um and some are just on good old network tv i guess i don't know i'm sure ronald's probably seen 17 things that of course uh, i have <laughs> of course i have that he'll mention um <laughs> i don't know man where do you guys want to start what what feels right to uh to kind of kick this this uh kind of catch-up episode off maybe hawkeye yeah we've, we've all seen good. hawkeye yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the day we're recording this we have a we have a new episode that dropped too so that's timely yeah. good, good good call yeah. good call yeah, yeah. so <laughs> tell me ronald how much are you loving hawkeye what's what's a negative what's a what's the negative <laughs> most negative you can go so Damn. let me okay here, here's 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 what i'll here's a a, a a theory that i'll throw out at you and i'll ask you why 
there was this period where uh, Kevin Feige was trying to make a big separation between the TV Marvel stuff and the stuff that was uh, in the cinemas, in, in the movies, right? To make room for the TV shows that would also connect to the movies. But I, but I, but I pose this question to you. With the quality of those shows that are coming out, why can't that stuff be canon too? I mean, is that crazy? Like, why I mean, can't that stuff be canon? It's like, I, you, you, we're basically putting out CW shows that have a higher production value. What, what's why? Why can't Agents of Shield be canon? I don't understand why. Maybe, maybe that's. I mean, I think I think you're right, and that like that's the way he's addressed it. But I feel like in light of some recent developments, like I feel like specifically what he's talking about, like with Daredevil and Charlie Cox and everything, I feel like. Yeah there's a bit of a stepping back of, you know, and I, I basically, I don't think that like, because he said it at one point that it's necessarily, that it's going to be, it could, I mean, like, I feel like there's, there's a lot of support around specifically a lot of the Netflix series that were, uh, you know, a part of Marvel studios, but like, uh, I I get what you're saying because it does seem kind of, it set us, it set a standard, like, like these were going to be better than those. And it doesn't mean that these are bad. It just, it's, it's just like, I took so, that th- I took that to mean more that the same people are going to be involved in making them and therefore you're going to see more continuity with like the movies that are coming and that sort of thing. But I felt like when the Netflix shows were announced way back, it was announced as kind of a like a junior league for for the MCU. It was announced yes. like these characters might get developed in these shows and then cross over. And I think when the shows came out I don't know. There was something weird that felt like it happened in that time where same thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. When it came out, it was definitely presented as canonical. And then as it went along, it became less relevant. Same with that Inhumans show that they, the miniseries that they had, where it's like it was supposed to be a big thing, but you start to understand that maybe they're not interested in answering for all the things that weren't made under their umbrella. But it's funny, Ronald, I have the same, I I think I might be enjoying Hawkeye more than you, but I had the same thought of like, oh, this reminds me of like the, it's like a slightly more MCU-ish version of the the Netflix shows. Like this show would have fit in with the Netflix shows, except for the fact that it's woven so tightly between the the movies and is dealing with a character who we view as, and an actor. And I do think there's something you get with with the performances. These actors bring a certain kind of cinematic quality to the thing. But I, I also think that like, I mean, I've been very charmed by it. The weakest moments to me have been and I wonder if it's just I need to change the settings on my television. But the weakest moments for me have been the moments where they rely on CGI to do stuff that works well in the practical realm. I mean, you ha- this is a show about archers and car chases and shit like that. Yeah. It feels like they should be able to maybe do a little bit more action that has a little more weight to it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I, outside of that, I think uh, I feel like this this to me feels like it's part of the cinematic part of the story only because it's Jeremy Renner and this character is a character from the movies. And also yeah. Haley Stenfeld is like someone who it's like, she's a, she's a movie actress who it's like her stepping into an MCU type movie feels very natural. So, yeah. um, but I, I kind of know what you mean, Ronald. I kind of had the same thought of like, well, how is this really that different from say the daredevil show or yeah. something like that? If, if this is now part of the MCU proper too, but I would say also before we, you know, maybe someone else uh, goes on for a minute. Like I also think that, 
keeping it small, there's something about this character in this story that I like. It really fits to say that we really haven't seen anything too grand yet. It's been more about the setting up this new character, Kate Bishop, uh, and also, you know, doing the thing they like to do with these uh, Disney Plus shows, which is like uh, answering for some of the stuff that's happened in the movie, some of the character development stuff. They did this with Falcon and, and his situation, Winter Soldier. Uh, mm-hmm. They've done it with Wanda. You know, I think that like the idea of who gets a show, it's almost like who who gets a show is who's got a story that seems worth telling but we aren't going to get to this in a movie. We aren't going to spend up a movie on, on Hawkeye's backstory, but this show can kind of dip sure. into it. So, yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I quite like the show. I mean, I, I do kind of feel like it does. Yeah, you're, you're both right. Like, it does feel like it probably fits mostly in, into the Netflix vibe of those shows. It doesn't feel as, like, kind of dark or gritty as it, because that's that MCU vibe that you mentioned, John. Yeah. Um, but that said, I mean, I just feel like, you know, I think that's what they're really trying to do is to kind of differentiate these shows as much as possible. And I think, you know, if you're looking at what we've gotten over the course of, you know, basically a year, um, mm-hmm. you know, these are like four pretty different shows, you know, and, you know, really kind of developing and delving into like different facets of characters from the MCU that we don't get enough time with in the like the proper movie stream that we get from MCU. But I mean, I feel like um, to, back to Ronald's point about about the Netflix of it all and like those Marvel movies, specifically the Netflix ones, because I never really watched the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show personally, but um, I did I see the know. Netflix shows. Um, I feel like the more time they spend, uh, the more time they spend kind of building out whatever phase four or five of the MCU looks like, cool. I do think they're going to come around to to realizing that they can use um, a lot of what is in that canon from the MCU, the MCU, I mean, the uh, Netflix shows, because I feel like even in, you know, not to go too heavy into spoilers for season one of Hawkeye, but like, you know, there's already pieces of um, one of the Netflix Marvel shows sprinkled in Hawkeye. And that's even being teased out in the press for, you know, Spider-Man too, or, or Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like this is all very deliberate. I feel like it's a part of, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it could all be a part of like a misdirect, you know, in, in my opinion, to say like, we want you to really focus on the Disney Plus shows that we're doing. We want you to realize how connected they are to the, to the, the movies. Um, and that comment that we said years before we really stuck the landing in Endgame about the Netflix shows, we might not hold to that. Like, I, and I don't think they will, to be honest with you. I feel like there's a lot of support around the Daredevil character, um, you know, around the Punisher. You know, I, I just, I just can't not. I just can't see them letting that all go to waste, especially, especially Daredevil. Like that whole series seems like it has the biggest support around it. Yeah. Um, but I guess in general, to like the Hawkeye, the show, like. I, the reason I feel like I'm liking it so much is that it does feel um, a lot, a lot smaller and and more tied into the MCU that we came out of, mm-hmm. you know, with Endgame and even the last Spider-Man movie. You know, I feel like um, it's not maybe it's maybe not so much like blowing up like what could happen in Phase Four, but it's really giving a chance to like kind of get comfortable again in what I was feeling like after I watched endgame and far from home you know like 
especially because this show's like you know season is time to spider-man coming out also mm-hmm. like that's not a accident you know like that's not that's planned in a very real way i believe and um you know even in this most recent episode like how they've managed to tie in a character from an mcu movie proper that we got this year like this is an example of like what they're talking about when they say you need to see these to, to understand the movies from this point forward, I think. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I get, I get like the people I get a, lot, a few of my friends aren't really liking this show that much. And it does seem a little more simple and, and street level than, than the others. Um, and but, kind of, it's kind of like a hangout show a little bit exactly. more than the it others is. have been too. Yes. You're right. Exactly. Right. I think, I think it's a really simple explanation for why I feel the way I do. And it, and it has nothing to do with, it has to do with the quality of it. Sure. But I kind of wish that WandaVision came out later because it spoiled the shit out of me. It made me Mm. feel like this is the, it's not just that they're different. It's the quality of that show, the detail of that show, the like references to older things, the like it. It was chock full of things like that, and and some and these don't feel quite as um, like uh, quite an homage to previous things. Not really willing to introduce things quite as neatly. I, I guess I, I think that's what it was. I think I, I think that the fact that WandaVision was such a good show, I'm a little spoiled because it started. Go ahead, sorry, yeah, sorry, go. No, that's that's what it was. Like it's the order. So like, if, if yeah, you're gonna yeah. give me something like WandaVision, let that be the fourth, right, or the third. Don't or let that be the yeah, 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 yeah. Don't give me this the first, and then be like, these are the these CW esque shows are gonna be the. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm not saying that those are bad things. I'm just saying like, if <laughs> in the production value of WandaVision, like look at WandaVision because I did this. Look at WandaVision and look at Hawkeye. I'm just saying, man. Like there's something about they put more money into WandaVision. It looks more cinematic. It's like strange things like that. So like, yeah. and that's not to say that this show is bad or looks bad. It's just WandaVision, you spoiled me. <laughs> I feel like that's a really good point that you're making because, and, 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 I, and I don't know that I entirely agree with it, but it's a really mm. interesting take that like, it's kind of like what I was saying about it makes me feel more comfortable with where I came out of Endgame, like going into what will what Spider-Man will be. But yeah. like your point is interesting because it's almost like this should have been directly after it to kind of get me out of Endgame and like ramp up to like the scope of specifically the scope of like Loki and WandaVision. Yes. You know, and what they were doing, especially going into a Spider-Man movie that has, you know, multiverses in, in its... Yeah you know, in its plot synopsis, you know? So that's a, I mean, that's a really interesting take. And I think that um, part of that probably also goes with like the character though, that the show is about, yeah, absolutely. you know, you're talking about, you know, Wanda Maximoff versus Hawkeye. Like, I feel like they're, what their powers are, what their skills are, you know, those, that conversation would like partially dictate like what the scope of the show felt like kind of yeah. sort of how like Black Widow the movie, while it had some really great action sequences, like it feels small yeah. compared to like I haven't seen it yet, but like compared to like the Eternals or compared to like even Shang-Chi, like these movies that have this larger scope, this mystical, this fantastical element to it. Yeah. Um, that a character like Black Widow or Hawkeye 
just won't have on their day-to-day life, you know, in their day-to-day life. I don't know. I like Hawkeye, though. I like Hawkeye, the yeah. character. He's not the... Yeah. Kate Bishop is the character that's making me the most uncomfortable. I really, really? like... I love Hawkeye. I actually think he's incredible on screen. I love, like, the way he is. Like... He, he's a damaged, yeah, grizzled man yeah, that, that's yeah. like trying to balance, you know, who he was with who he's trying to be now. I love that. It's just Kate yeah. Bishop is like a sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I have a hard wow. time watching her. I just see, I feel like almost so much that it's as much as I, I think the maybe episode three and four. Jeremy Renner had more to do, but he in the did. first couple episodes, I was like, "Oh, this is basically Kate Bishop, the show, <laughs> yeah. and he's sort of like going to be the supporting character." And I was fine with that. See, so I guess I'm again, I'm charmed by her more than you are. I think though that like what you're saying about what like Hawkeye is a movie character. Jeremy Renner is like an actor who's done some great cinematic performances. There's yes. something he does, and I would say that Paul Bettany. Uh, and Elizabeth Olsen did a similar thing. I mean, different times in these shows we've had. Mm. Tom Hiddleston does it. He just elevates the content by being the kind of performer who can yes. t- make this stuff and bring in people like Owen Wilson doesn't hurt, you know. Yeah. Uh, Vera Farmiga. There's different people. Even uh, what's his name? Is it Tony Dalton who was on Better Call Saul? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's fun to watch. So I yes. think that there is something kind of loosey goosey and a little bit goofier about this show. Um, I, I like that there. There's a specific comic run of Hawkeye that they are kind of pulling from, even right down to the visuals like the 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 font of the credits is like the yeah. cover font from this comic and the the, mm. the designs of the covers were always these very strong graphical images that are similar to the sort of things you see during the credits so i don't know i don't think in my opinion they have not linked a a a take on a character that they're doing to a take from a specific comic book quite as closely as this. I might be wrong, but it feels like they very visually down to the last thing they're trying to make you think of it. But in the comics, Clint Barton is not a guy with a family that he wants to be with. Mm. He's a guy who lives in a shitty, in a uh, shitty apartment, you know? So I think that like, the way that they've managed to get that in, to the way they've managed to give us that version of Clint without divorcing him or killing his family or something like that, they've managed to give us this version that still lives in a ratty apartment. Just that it's <laughs> this is where he flops when he's got work to do. All I right. love that. I, and I Me love too. that the, the way that they're playing the family divide, it's not the usual thing where you've got this person going, why are you doing, why are you saving the world? It's like, no, the family understands, they know the drill, he's done this before, they're sort of like, okay, uh, when are we going to see you? But it's painful to him because we know he spent this five-year period and he just got him back. I mean, there's all this stuff that feeds into it. And I think the Christmas part of it is another reason why maybe we're seeing it now. And maybe that's uh, a reason why it wouldn't have been the first one. Um, I I hear what you're saying, Ronald. I think the order that they released them, I think they did WandaVision first to show people like, look, we're going to be doing bold things with this. Um, But I also think they kind of put them out in the order that they had them the most ready because I felt these things being... I mean, some some of the effects in Hawkeye almost don't look finished. Like that car chase I, exactly. had moments that really looked like just, un, you know, yeah, like that like blob, uh, the blob looking arrow. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved the scene. I loved the joke, but it was it was yeah. very much yeah. Like it just didn't have the the polish of the movies, or that you would yeah. you would want it to have. But I think you're right yeah. that like where this fits in. It's an interesting thing they've done, honestly, to blur the lines between what you can get at home and what you can get in the movies. And of course, the plan going forward will be not to have any of these movies come out at home on the same day they're in theaters or anything, I, I would wager. But 
you know, this has been an interesting period. This year has been like a whole lot of Marvel to figure yes. out um, as compared to a year without any. And then like even going forward, I don't know if it's going to be quite this jam-packed. Well, the TV shows will probably still keep coming at a clip. Um, but even with that, like most of the images they've shown from their upcoming shows, unless it's just unfinished images, they've sort of seemed like after all those promises of cinematic quality, they are kind of settling into sort of a TV zone for these yes. shows maybe. I don't think that will necessarily be a problem unless it just feels like a real step down for some of the characters that we're seeing. Like if there's like a cheap version of the Hulk running around, yeah. it will be it will kind of hurt the cinematic version. But yeah, I've, we got I've, host. We got host. That's all it is. We got host, Tommy. We got host. Well, I think that like uh, I think that the show looks looks pretty good though in the non CGI assisted moments. It does. So I think and that's another thing. It's at least it's got its own little feel and it's funny. Yeah. And tracksuit mafia are good bad guys. And Echo is kind of an interesting character. There's there've been a few things thrown into this that are just you know some of it straight from the comic, some of it that's just an, an extension of the MCU. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a fun show. It actually feels the most like kind of a laid back show that like Rockford Files or something. Um, that may be a really dated reference. Um, <laughs> but one of those shows where you're just kind of following a detective who kind of gets himself in and out of trouble. I feel like yeah. you could watch Hawkeye do a week to week thing where he's like save, helping people uh, like, oh, these, this this gang is picking on these people in a bodega. He's going to put that to end. You know, it's like I think that kind of story is cool to see Hawkeye be the sort of friendly neighborhood Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, and what a surprising episode four that we aren't going to spoil. But yeah, maybe not spoil. But yeah, I mean, I feel like okay. it's a payoff. I would I would say that's a surprise in episode four, but I think more it's a payoff. And supposedly yeah. episode five is going to have something in it that people are going to be talking about. They're really hyping that. So okay. I have a feeling if it's a character, I have a hunch which character it might be. But I maybe that's just conventional wisdom. If it is who you guys are thinking about, boy. I'm going to be really happy. I'm really intrigued by the possibility of him popping up in a certain movie that we're all going to see very soon because I just want to see I want to see that version of him that just puts the that just tangles with somebody. Yes. And that actor, if it's that character, that actor as yeah. that character getting to really strut his stuff could be a wonder to see. So, yeah. um I love how coded we're being, but anybody who knows knows and in a few weeks maybe we'll all know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Has everybody made plans to see Spider-Man? I've got tickets for for Friday the 17th at this point. Not yet. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'm I'll do my usual, my usual heroic job of not spoiling things for you. But I, yeah. I just I just had to see. I just realized, no, if I, if I hear people saying anything about this movie, it's going to be a spoiler, even if they're trying not to spoil it. You know, Because yes. there's so many mysteries and things you expect from this one that just one little reference might might ruin a surprise. So I got to say. Have it. you heard that rumor about uh, critics only being able to see 40 minutes of it? Yeah. Mm-mm. That's crazy. Yeah, so that like it, it's that much in it that critics are only allowed are only being allowed to see a clip of it. Only see get to see a little 40 minutes of it. It ha like because if you talk about the movie apparently you will spoil it. That's it's that much packed into it. Apparently it's several layers of things that that, that are like spoiler worthy. So that's exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys about it. Spider-Man is one of my favorite characters. Um, so, and I'm sure he's like you guys too. So yeah, I think we, we've I think, raved think, over this trilogy. I think that limited showing might've only been for like the ones that happened this week or like mm. this pa the past couple of days. Gotcha. But I know I've seen some other press that I follow on Twitter, like posting that they got tickets to like okay. the premiere 
you know, like oh right, right, right. The big like one. like the I guess the week of or something like that. So you know, I'm pretty sure that'll be the full thing, which is probably what most of the press are gonna see. Yeah. But I think the reason that they were doing that 40 minute thing was because a lot of press were doing like one-on-one interviews and like round table interviews with like Tom Holland and Zendaya and like uh right, Jacob. Right, right. So like I think they needed to see something, but they didn't want to show them the whole movie. That makes um, sense. But I think that next week we'll probably see something start to come out about it. Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to have to stay off the internet. Other than you need to just sign out because like this is, this is, I I feel like I'm going to go see it Friday morning. Uh, We're trying to like avoid a crowd if possible. Mm. Um, And uh, Aaron and I are going to go Friday morning. And uh, I feel like I just need to like delete Twitter and Facebook and anything. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to Wednesday, Thursday and Friday until I actually walk out of the theater. I did the same thing for Endgame. Like I I deleted it that whole week Mm. because I just didn't want anything ruined. So like I, I probably would do the same thing um all right let's move on that's a lot of yes. hawkeye a lot of that's marvel. a lot of hawkeye um, a lot of marvel we we you know we can't get off the the marvel uh teat it's but, ever present <laughs> but they keep putting stuff out god that's damn it do. yeah yeah <laughs> um let, let's uh let's like jump through a couple of uh quick things here like yeah, a couple boom, shows boom, boom, boom. or something that uh pin that 15 is back part two of season two of pin 15 is back and haven't missed a step from the couple episodes that I've watched. It's just as brutal, and maybe even more so, maybe even more poignant and brutal and meaningful in a way, but just humorous and too real. What, do you, what You've watched a couple, Steve? <clears throat> yeah, I've watched like three or four. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I, like it, it's like a it's like a mixed bag because I feel like um, I love this show so much. I love the characters. Anybody that's on this show, I just think is great. It's kind of like bittersweet though because you know it's like they announced that it's going to end after this season um wraps up which is kind of sad but apparently it's supposed to end on a proper note and i hope it does because i think consistently it's been one of my favorite shows the past few years you know it's only had two seasons but we'll have watched it in you know three batches of episodes so it's been (laughs) elongated a bit it feels like but um yeah i don't know i just i I really just love the show um and you're right it does like the first few episodes of this part two um Brutal is a good word, and uh, the, like the uh, the bot mitzvah episode specifically is pretty rough. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like if you're mm. in for this show, like it's it's great, and uh, I have no doubt that it's probably going to end on a very high note, and uh, I can't wait to finish it up. Well, it almost seems like a hard thing to maintain for too long, you know, like it seems like I, I agree yeah. with the teen actors needing to sort of still be kids. Like I was impressed. I don't know if they took a break in filming during COVID because I know both the uh anna and um maya and maya the actresses had children in the interim so it's like i was expecting the show to look and feel like oh wow everybody looks older and everybody looks a little different but but it fits right in so i wonder how much they made before they took the break but i didn't know that they had planned on ending it but i i did have that thought watching these going surely they they have to have some moment in their minds of like how far they can take this concept but it's yeah because it's not like the kind of thing where if people don't know the premise, it's it's actresses in their 30s playing themselves basically at 13 and aging it back to like a vague 90s-ish kind of time frame. Um, it's not a concept that's really meant to age up with them through high school or anything, you know? It's very much about that middle school into high school kind of time. So I, I think it's smart to contain it, you know? Not run it on too long. Not milk yeah. it, you know? Yeah. As sad as I am to see it go, I, I, there's a part of me that's always glad when something I love announces its end date because it means, okay, that they have an idea and these people are going to do it on their own terms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
You said you guys watched Dexter, right? Yes. Talk to me about Dexter, Dexter new and talk blood. about this comeback idea. I know that this is a show that like it's both like Look. it's how long has it been? It's been it's been a few years, but it was definitely something yeah. that was ripe for a reboot because nobody was really happy with how the the, the yes. last show ended. So you know somehow they've respected the idea that like the ending was the ending for the show and still are putting it in a new world. You know Dexter is in another town with a different identity and. It's it's really cool to see, you know, a man who's completely hidden his identity, still pieces of Dexter poking out from time to time, and then uh, uh, one big event happens, and then it it pretty much puts him back into a a, a, a very similar zone that we that we saw in the previous seasons. Um, it's I'm a big fan of it, man. Like. The, I, I I was not expecting this to be as good as it is, and it is. I'm I'm enjoying the shit out of it, like really enjoying it. It feels different, but very similar at the same time. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, no, I think it's so far it's great. Like I, I yeah. was very hesitant, like the first couple episodes, because I I, I kind of wasn't really all in on it right from the jump. Like I was very excited for the series because, like yeah, what yeah. John said, like. Dexter for a run there was like my favorite show, like on on TV, like yeah. for the first like three or four seasons, and um, you know, kind of where that show ended, uh, roughly like eight years ago, was a pretty low note for like fans of the series overall, and I think even just for Michael C. Hall, like what he had done with that character, yeah. um, but I do think that you know, past the first second episode, like they've really found an interesting take on how to. <sighs> I don't want to say course correct anything, but like how to kind of earn back some of that good faith that maybe some people let go of at the end of season eight um, and kind of reframe it around where this, well, Dexter, now Jim, you know, this character living in this different world where nobody knows who he really is, except for, you know, one person who shows up um, and slowly how that is going to fall apart because of the introduction of that character. And, uh, you know, the past two episodes specifically have really, really jumped it up a, a couple notches. Yeah. To to like a to like a I can't wait to see the next episode type of thing, you know, which is getting back into that feeling you had when Dexter was like at its peak. It was like, a oh, my God, like the next episode can't come soon enough. And like the way this one ends, um, the last two ended really was kind of like a, okay you got you got me back like let, <laughs> let's go you know this dark passenger's there let's do it like yeah let's see what happens now with uh w- with his attempts to uh kind of keep some saints keep some sanity and uh i don't know not fall entirely back into some old habits but i don't know a great great cast too i mean like you know i, I don't great i don't know uh, the only name that really stands out to me is Clancy Brown, who most people would know. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the the young cast in the show is is really quite good, too, I think. Um, but it's uh, I don't I don't want to say too much for anybody that hasn't watched it at all, because I don't want to mention any names um, as a spoiler. But um, if you if you uh, yeah, if you want to see Dexter have another chance. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's worth watching for sure. And I think Showtime knows they've got a really good show here and I think it's doing well too. So uh, hopefully, you know, and I think it's got like, I don't know if it's, is it an eight or 10 episode? I think it's a 10 episode run, but um, 
you know, roughly halfway through. I can't wait to see the final five. Basically, yeah. there's a lot that can happen, and it's like the fact that there's, a, and that's the thing, the fact that there's five episodes. Like, there's a lot that can happen in five episodes of show of a show like that's an hour long, and mm-hmm. it felt like after these last two that like something major is like about to shift for the show. Yes. So yes, yeah. yeah. Dexter New Blood. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I I think it's it's getting it's getting literally like every week is like exponentially better. Yeah. And and it's coming from a good place to start. So I just got yeah. I think this show is going to end up being pretty great. Well, as long as you're talking about blood and killer characters, I know Steve, you had mentioned the Chucky series. Is that something you wanted to to talk about for a minute? <clears throat> did you guys watch it at all or anybody? I, I did I'm not. Four episodes in. Oh, see, I have, you know, I, this is, this is, uh, the Child's Play series is, the whole thing is sort of virgin territory for me. Isn't that oh, strange? We should, we should do a, I'm just saying, so weird. Wow. I know we just, I know we just got off of a huge watch of yeah. movies, but the Child's Play franchise, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. Maybe I've seen the first one or the second one, you know, mm-hmm. like at a party or at a person's house, but I've never, I've never sat down and watched them. I know they are reasonably at least the the lion's share of them are reasonably well regarded by people who like that type of horror film because there's a humor to them or there's an an inventiveness to the story and everything i hear about sounds interesting and definitely the series everything i've heard about it sounds like you know brutal in a different way from pen 15 but like a a fun (laughs) a fun kind of mean-spirited series you know it's it uh i've heard a lot of people who are fans of the movies talking about really enjoying the show so i'm curious to hear what uh what you guys think yeah i mean i i finished the first season and i think they got announced for a second season already but um this is like really good uh i think like coming off of that like remake reboot they tried a couple years ago um the the child's play reboot that i I don't think don mancini had anything to do with Mm. like he's kind of like the shepherd of this whole series the creator Mm -hmm. he um yeah i think he was kind of detached from that but this has kind of been the thing he had been kind of really driving through for the past uh three or four years so to see it come out you know it's eight episode season uh i think it's on sci-fi usa sci-fi it's like one of the biggest shows of the fall winter and it's like one of those shows that grew week over week to being one of the like highest watched shows on cable, which is amazing because like you said, John, like this is like an old horror series, like from the eighties and nineties and, um, you know, having Brad Dorif, Dorif, Brad Dorif, Dorif, what is it? Dorif? Dorif. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Dorif, uh, you know, back as Chucky, um, nothing against Mark Hamill, but you know, he, he voiced it in the child's play reboot, but, uh, I thought that Brad coming back was a huge get and a big win um, for the character, for the series, for the franchise. But yeah, the show is great. Like, I feel like it's this really smart way of mixing this like nostalgia of like a vintage doll that finds its way back into today's teenage world, today's social media, today's like the way kids are distracted and, you know, just like w- what matters to them. And um, the idea of a doll being introduced and like what kind of, what kind of teenager would care about a doll, you know, like right. this and um, you know, how diverse the cast is um, tons of representation, you know, the main character is gay and like, there's like teenage love on screen. That's just like really good to see. And it's like, not, it's not even subtle. Like it's just very in front of the show. And and the child's play franchise has always been kind of, you know, that, you know, they've kind of done a lot of stuff with, uh, 
you know, kind of being different than some of the franchises in ways that, you know, this show really kind of continues with. And um, I just love how much it embraces it in the show and like just dials it up every episode. And that includes like, you know, how violent it gets, how brutal, you know, how funny Chucky is in certain parts, you know, um, how quickly and randomly characters die that you thought would not die on this show. And, um, you know, and it's meta in so many ways with certain characters that it brings in from the franchise. And it does, it does a little bit of fan service by doing that. I think, you know, the further you get into the series, you're going to see some characters come in from the, the, the film franchise that really have an impact on this series. And it's like this nice colliding of the legacy Chucky stuff and this new series, which really does feel like it could be its own thing now. Like, you know, it, it's it's already renewed for a second season and people are talking about this. Like every time I look on Twitter, like people are randomly like, oh, did you see that Chucky show? I'm like, yeah, I did. I kind of loved it. And uh, yeah, it's it definitely, definitely recommended. I don't know, John, where you should enter this series. Maybe just start from the beginning. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's definitely I worth mean- checking out. I can do it. I think yeah, you should do it. Has, has no right to be as good as it is. Like I'm, the only reason why I haven't watched them all is there's so many shows going on at once, so many movies coming out. But I'm I'm gonna finish it out probably sometime in the next week or so. I really enjoyed the first four episodes. It's crazy. It it should not be this good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I just like I don't know. It, it's such a small thing. Like. And it doesn't even matter in the show, except for like some of the social elements of like the a teenage, uh, the, the 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 protagonist of the show being gay, and like, you know how he deals with that, like with family and uh, in school and things. But mm. by the time you get to the back half of the season, it's like it's so embraced by the entire cast that like it's just a part of like that character's like power, you know, or that character's strength in the battle with Chucky or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it becomes like, yeah, I don't know. It becomes like a power. It becomes a confidence. It becomes like a empowerment, like, I don't know, pedestal for him to stand on. And uh, I just think they just, it's just, it's kind of wild, like how well it's handled in the show, like for a show, not to, not to like dismiss it, but like a USA sci-fi child's play series. It's just like, wow, they really kind of nailed it. And uh, made me super excited to see season two of this whenever that comes out. And uh, it's always nice to see Devin Sawa in a in whatever he can be in because I, I'm a <laughs> fan. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So yeah, I would I would definitely another. I mean, I've been like on a great run of watching shows. It seems like there's lots of great TV uh, on right now. So yeah, Chucky. I definitely if you like Child's Play you know, the, 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 that franchise in general, especially the pieces of it that were kind of overseen by Don Mancini. It's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. I mean, that's what I hear too. A lot of people point out how much it's the, it's, it's that rare franchise. That's kind of the work of one person for the most part, yeah. you know, at yeah. least an auteur behind a franchise like that is, is not as common as you would think. There'll right. be producers that hang around, but not usually a, a, a writer director or, you know, sort of storyteller so to speak sure um well what else I, i've got a couple different directions we could go from that when you were talking about a mix of nostalgia 
and kind of uh, horror, um, you could go Ghostbusters Afterlife, or you could go um, uh, Last Night in Soho. Maybe talk about Ghostbusters, because I'm really curious about what you guys thought about it. Steve? Well, I just did a lot of talking. Why don't, why don't you tell me what you thought, John? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm no, actually kind of... I don't want to overpower this. I mean, I guess I would like to just open the general conversation about this, because I think that for me, if I had talked about this shortly after seeing it, I think my attitude would have been, like, not so much more positive, but I think I would have been just more like, oh, yeah, this is like this is like the Ghostbusters movie that a, that a certain section of Ghostbusters fans were kind of waiting for, you know? And if you look at the original Ghostbusters, if you go back and watch that movie, whatever people want to say about it, oh, it's not that funny, oh, it's not really scary, oh, it doesn't hold up, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. There's a magic to it. Just the way yeah. that it's filmed, the look, the feel, it, it's the way, it's it's everything about it that the made effects, it yeah. what it is. It's similar to when I've, I've been watching, uh, I just finished actually, Get Back, the, the Beatles documentary that I referred to earlier. And that's a similar thing where if you are if you get the Beatles, then you understand why why they're a big deal. If you don't, then you'll be going like, I still think Get Back might be interesting to you to watch. It'd be interesting to watch any band like work in the studio this way and create this way. But the, like the, the, to demystify something, to kind of revere something, whatever it is, right. you're right. gonna you're gonna be impressed by that thing being what it is. The Beatles are are who they are because they were the Beatles. You know, <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. I kind of think that like when you look at a big franchise or something that kind of wants to be a franchise like Ghostbusters, there's that original thing that you kind of, you kind of can't take away from it or you can, you can break it down, but it, it just, it, there's a certain amount of magic involved in it. Even Ghostbusters two, just a few years later was, was like an attempt to rekindle that that didn't quite match the first one, but it still had a lot of funny elements to it. Then there was the cartoon that for a lot of people was like, that's the true Ghostbusters to them. Like the, the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. And there's yeah. even been other ones I know that people really enjoy. Then there was the 2016 uh, remake, which essentially now is like a remake. If you really look at the story, the the I think it's called Answer the Call. Wasn't that the subtitle yeah. of that one? Yeah. And a lot of people, obviously, that was a controversial movie. But again, it was an attempt to do a part of what the first one did, which was say, let's take like actors from SNL. Let's literally find Saturday Night Live actors and put them into this story and let them be funny in a way that elevates this material. And again, people that don't like that movie have their reasons. People that do have their reasons. My house sort of enjoyed it and still thinks that, I mean, I could, I could watch that movie. It's funny. I like the actresses. There's some great moments in it. Yeah. It didn't match the first one either. Neither did Ghostbusters 2 back in 1989. I guess what I'm getting at is Ghostbusters Afterlife is yet another attempt to follow up Ghostbusters. And it's yet another attempt that doesn't like, doesn't recapture that first one. This one tries less than any of the other ones to recapture the feel of the first one. But the iconography in this one is taken very seriously. Um, you know, it's treated more like an Amblin adventure type of thing. So it's got that Spielberg feel to it. Um, I don't know. Right. It's just, it. this is not my Ghostbusters. I sort of I sort of respect that for some people, though, this is their Ghostbusters. And I would say that after a while, it does that weird thing that movies sometimes do, that these kind of reboot re sequels sometimes do, of like rehashing the first movie. That was a big complaint a lot of detractors had about The Force Awakens back when it came out, was that it had so many elements, plot elements, that felt like, oh, you're just rehashing A New Hope. And it's like, right. that's both accurate and totally inaccurate. And I think with Ghostbusters, it reminds me of Rob Zombie's Halloween, because that movie gets to like the last act and it turns into a retelling of the original Halloween from 1978. And I think Ghostbusters Afterlife, when it gets to its last act, 
it's very interested in repeating beats from from the first movie, which again, I think is meant to put certain fans at ease and comfort them that you, this is the Ghostbuster spirit that you are, no pun intended, that you were looking for and waiting for all these years. And I think other people might be coming out of that going, boy, that last act, for me, that last act was a mess. And I think the worst part of the movie is how they try to integrate the old Ghostbusters into the story. It just doesn't fit compared to the stuff that I thought works in this movie, which is... You know, I like Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard and uh, what's her name? McKenna Grace? Grace? What's her name? Yeah, is that her name? McKenna Grace? Wow, I got it right. I should have said it with more confidence. But I like their family <laughs> dynamic. I like the the um, the Jason Reitman of it. You know, like that to me felt very much like this is Jason Reitman bringing what he has to bear on this type of story. I think by the time it gets to the end when you have like CGI characters hugging and all, I, mean, I mean, it just it gets to be a little too sappy and reverent for me. And I was a little almost embarrassed at how some, how clunky some of the stuff with the original guys turned out. But it's as an entry in the Ghostbusters franchise, does this kind of keep things alive? I think this keeps things alive for people. And I think for a certain audience, and I think this was reasonably financially successful, I, I could see this being, you know, a way that you get more Ghostbusters movies. Whereas if this had not been a hit... I don't think there's a chance they make another one for a long time. They definitely aren't going to make a sequel to Answer the Call because it lost so much money. So it's, I don't know, this seems like a way forward for Ghostbusters, even if I don't necessarily need it to be kids out in the out in the fields, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I, there's clearly a lot of people that had like a deep emotional response to this movie. So I really think it's it's very much like now Ghostbusters is like Star Wars. It's like you pick your flavor. Which which ones do you like? Just take the you know it's the salad bar of of franchises where you just right, go. Right. I like this. I don't I don't I don't like this. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of feel I just want to say I think Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon were kind of wasted in this. There was potential there, but I feel like they were the least. Uh, they I was excited to see them, and they're kind of the least of the. The, the elements. And I would say it brings a shockingly small amount of new things to the story uh, compared to what you might want from, from this kind of return. But f for nostalgia, it's like, it's chef's kiss nostalgia, right? I mean, because that's, that's really, it's really trafficking in that. Remember Proton Packs? Remember the Ecto-1? Like, it really <laughs> wants you to know we did our research down to certain shot compositions and stuff. There's so many moments and callbacks that, that are going to make you think of the, you know, the OG Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of loved it, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of, I, I, which would be consistent for my, if you, if, for the Star Wars parallel, like my love for Force Awakens. Um, See, I love Force Awakens, but there's one reason why, and I won't talk about this on mic because it's spoilery. There's one, one reason why I think Force Awakens works for me better than this. But yeah. I think this is the Force, this is definitely the Force Awakens of the Ghostbusters franchise because it does sure. so many of the for same sure. things. New characters mixed with old you know, bringing yeah. you back in, trying to make fans of the original feel good, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I agree. Force Awakens is definitely better. Um, but I feel like um, the main thing that you said that I definitely agree with is, like, I, I do feel like the way that the original Ghostbusters kind of come in uh, to the movie and, like, kind of how they're used is a bit clunky and uh, and kind of, like, it feels missed, like, it, they missed an opportunity, maybe. Um, maybe intentional. I don't know. Maybe not. But, um, and yeah, sure, Paul Rudd, and and Coon, especially Paul Rudd, I feel like I thought he was going to be more of the movie. Uh, I guess from the marketing. That said, like I just, yeah, I mean, you, I think you hit the nail on the head for me in terms of my response to it. Like I feel like there's definitely parts of this movie that drag, and like some of it definitely kind of loses tone in the second act. I guess of the movie, um, I feel like what starts out <clears throat> really strong with the uh, 
with the opening and then, you know, kind of getting introduced to this family and, and why this family matters and the importance of, of McKenna Grace's character specifically. But, you know, I think it's all at least interesting to me and it's all like kind of you're along for the ride with these kids. And I think that's the whole intention is to kind of like bridge, bridge this franchise into a younger generation, you know, with really good casting, which I do think, you know, the kids in it are great. And um, especially McKenna Grace and the kid who plays podcast uh, shout out the podcast from a podcast here. Um, <laughs> Meta, uh, but I, I feel like the last like 25 minutes of the movie though, is just like, I thought I personally thought the last 25 minutes were great. Um, I do feel like it kind of hit me emotionally. It definitely got me teary eyed in a theater. Um, and especially, uh, you know, I kind of left the movie being like a little like, um, not cold on like the decision to do something that seems to be happening in movies more and more recently with certain characters and or actors. But, um, yes. you yes. know, like hearing more about the decision to do that with this movie and for that character and, and specifically like that character's family's involvement in it and decisions and writing, you know, in the screen, in the actual uh, the screenplay and things like that, that made me a lot more at peace with it or a lot more positive on it, I guess is the right word. I don't, I don't know even that's how I'm trying to say, but like it didn't, it, it made me less concerned about it, I guess. Um, the fact that they were so involved and um, you know, that it was, it was a blessing from them. And I, I don't know, like that's the only feeling walking out of that I was thinking about. Cause I, in some other cases, I, I don't like how that was used or how it was. Well, the know, technology even... is, has gotten pretty good, I guess, based on what we're talking about. And it about. also helps, you know, that, that, that it's a different, yeah, it's not a human, you know, <laughs> right, I don't right. know. We're but, being so coded. I, <laughs> uh, but, but I would say that to me, that was the thing. I think a glimpse, a, I think that, I think that's an example of where the ending went wrong for me. I feel like it, it really laid like when we just, when we just see the arm and we see like a glint, like to me that wow. that's the impact. The that's rest cold of it, chills right the rest now, of it felt right a little now. like Peter Jackson's t Hobbit endings, where he's got to give you five extra minutes of slow motion characters like hugging and stuff. I feel I, like I, I understand. I, agree. I feel like this movie didn't need to stop to have all those moments, but I think there was the way they delivered that the the way the opening of the movie tied into that. <clears throat> I that was some of, that was that stuff I kind of enjoyed. I, I don't know. If, Whenever they do this kind of thing of like, well, here's what's happened in the last 30 years or whatever, you know, and here's where these characters ended up. They, they, I don't think they fully closed the loop for me logically of why this character would have to go and do what they did without telling people or being whatever. Like, But I think that for the emotional impact, it's interesting to say, okay, we're, we're dealing with Ghostbusters here, right? So we can have a character that you know who's a ghost, you know, and, and that's a... That's an interesting concept to play with, and I think that's always been a part of plans for Ghostbusters 3, would be to have one or another character be... I mean, I know for yeah, years Bill yeah. Murray wanted to be right, dead right. and a ghost in Ghostbusters 3. So the idea that we have, like, that kind of thing... <laughs> and in fact, some of that stuff was some of my favorite, as far as Spielbergian wonder. There's a scene where a ghost character kind of leads a kid... Uh, yeah. to to something. I thought that stuff was fantastic. I love that was magic to me, and and really like got me like the way that I think the emotional stuff is getting. Like you're talking about that climax, that didn't work on me as much. But I I have heard so many people say that, but that stuff in the middle got me more, a little bit more. Where it was like, oh, this yeah. is just this just feels like a cool way to visualize something that is scary and yet comforting at the same time. So it's a yeah. It's a, I, I think I think it's definitely a hit. I do I do think it's something that is going to revive the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, mm. um, 
it, it already has in ways. And I think, uh, you know, its performance, even in, you know, this pre or this pandemic, post pandemic, whatever we're in, I don't know what success looks like at the box office mm. if you're not a marvel movie or a spider-man movie um <laughs> i just think that like it's definitely performed very well and i think that um you know listening to jason reitman and gil keenan the, the right the co-writers and you know obviously the director talk about it it, does, it seems like there's and even with the there's stingers in the movie during and after the credits you know there there's absolutely intent and even ernie hudson's done interviews like talking about intent for more movies and see i things. like the ernie hudson sort of stinger yeah. i would have liked more of that in the i mean i would have I, I would have enjoyed a movie that got to that idea quicker and maybe you will in two yeah. years all right but i will say too <laughs> the, this opening stuff you were talking about i actually thought the opening like the idea of going from cold opening to the stories in going i was impressed at kind of how quickly they got things going with this there's like a cold open kind of uh in medias rest thing that puts you into the story and then the family has to find out and end up on the road out to this place we're being so vague because we don't want to ruin things for people but like it i'm saying the, the they're, they're on the way to the story pretty quickly i was i was yeah. thinking we would get like 10 more minutes of them deciding to leave and all that kind of stuff so i was i was actually yeah, I like the movie too. worked yeah. pretty like again I, th I think some of the stuff in the first half is probably my favorite stuff just because of what we've said some of these actors are doing stuff for even when the, the ones who are kind of underused they're still lending something to these characters and paul paul rudd may be underused but when he enters the movie his first few minutes are some really fun stuff that like i kind of was like you i got i was getting hyped up for him to just be like just the shot in the arm this movie needed and then he kind of becomes yeah. background pretty quickly but him being yeah. a uh, like a summer school teacher who's like making the kids watch cujo while he just goes back to his office and farts around that's that's pretty <laughs> funny <laughs> Yeah, like the bookends of it, I think are per personally are the stronger parts. The middle yeah. part, a couple great scenes in there, but I just feel like it kind of hits this spot where it's like trying to get to that third act, and it just kind of spins a bit. It's um, a little sweaty, as the kids yes. say. Yes, it's a little sweaty. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, it got me. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. I actually want to. I can't wait to be able to, you know, let Sydney watch it because she's watched like the first Ghostbusters, and like she really likes it. <laughs> and I feel like this is even like, you know, younger kids and like just the setting even lends itself to her like falling in love with this movie, I think. So, um, yeah. And like, honestly, man, like speaking of like the iconography of being able to like pull into the the Ghostbusters one and two, you know, obviously all this stuff, you know, the Reitman, you know, father, son, all, all that stuff. Like they have all this access and all that stuff is in this movie. But like. There's some amazing sequences in the movie that I feel like are that it, it, it is now like a part of that iconography, like that, that, that little rollout cage, like, you know, when they're going driving around the car in the town, like it's in the trailer, mm -hmm. but like that whole car sequence, like when she comes out in that gunner seat, like that's like amazing shit for kids to see these days. Like, that's what I remember seeing. Like, you know, you think of certain movies, you know, when you were a kid and you watch it and it's like, that's the kind of shit that like, kids are going to watch hopefully your teenagers are gonna be like that is awesome and uh yeah dude i don't know that that stuff works but really i mean that's a good example me. too of like the difference because that is very much like setting this up to be a modern franchise where like this vehicle is loaded with all these features whereas in the first G ghostbusters it literally is like they use it to get 
to a couple places fast, you know? And I'm not right. saying it should mimic that. I'm just saying that that to me is a difference in the tonal thing of like, they had this kind of junky car that they tricked out that they, that kind of almost seemed like it was tricked out with a bunch of stuff that they didn't really use that much, but it was right. just a car big enough to hold them and their proton packs, you know? And in this one, it's got this like importance of being like the, the spaceship that's got the hyperdrive or something. But I agree with just the visuals of that moment. I mean, again, you can picture why that was an enticing image, like when Jason Reitman has said that he had that image of the Ecto-1, yeah. you know, driving around in a cornfield, and that he was like, what would the story be there? Again, that's not my Ghostbusters story, <coughs> but that's, I like the idea of directors having imagery that they want to play with, and this, putting it in the middle of this kind of small town, where there's literally almost nobody. That's, that could be taken as like a comment or a knock on the movie. They, they almost, they just didn't remember to hire extras. There's never a crowd, that really. It doesn't seem like almost anywhere. But I, I think it kind of feeds into the idea that this is a little dead town. And so it's almost like it's a good place for kids to learn how to use their 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 gadgets, you know. <laughs> but they were quick studies. You got to admit, they, they, they knew what to do oh, yeah. with that stuff, like, right away. Picked it up, <clears throat> picked it up real quick. And only destroyed about 17 storefronts. Yeah, I was <laughs> saying about, they... about three quarters of the town's yeah. probably destroyed. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. <sighs> what about La Last Night in Soho? I haven't seen that. What did you Ronald? guys think of that one? Ronald, what did you think of that? Say that again? Last Night in Soho? What did you think of that? <sighs> Be honest. Just lay it out real quick. Just go. This isn't his best. Okay. Um, But Edgar Wright in music, man. There's something about Edgar Wright in music. And how he uses it to weave stories. Like, God, man, like, I remember when I watched Baby Driver in the movie theater and how I felt that first scene. I was like, this this feels like he's doing a couple of things. He's like, this is, this is how music should be utilized in a scene. This is how you shoot an action scene. This is how you do it. It feels like a show-off sort of thing. And what he was doing throughout this, this like interweaving of two worlds kind of coming together and music kind of s stacking music from different times on top of each other in the beginning, especially mm -hmm. blew my mind, man. Like it feels like a real, I don't know, man. It, it, the more I thought about it, the more I enjoyed it. Something about it fell off to me, though. I can't figure out what it was, but I, mm. I can say overall, I thought it was incredibly made. Like, I couldn't help but think, man, his Ant Man would have been really good. That's I, know, the first I, was, thing. I know. I was thinking that too, and it's like I don't mean to knock because I think Peyton Reed is a great choice for Ant Man, yeah, yeah. and I actually think he's brought something to it that maybe Edgar Wright wouldn't have done as well like we already know a lot of our favorite things about those movies are peyton reed's touches but i was thinking the same thing because of what you're saying the way that edgar wright puts together a visual sequence he's got yes. like a concept behind it and he just there's a there's that combination he seems to lean on practical stuff as much as possible to, to get things done and there's just i don't know that visual ingenuity there's a there's a difference between creating, even if you have an idea, even if you're like James Gunn or Peyton Reed or someone who can find a look and a feel, you're still working within that CGI world of the right. MCI universe, MCU, MCU. And, uh, and Edgar Wright is not someone who plays in that necessarily. In fact, that might be one of the reasons why he left the project. But, but who, yeah, there's no telling what that movie would have looked and felt like uh, under his 
under his hand for sure. Um, I, I kind of agree with you across the board on that, Ronald. I mean, I, I think not his best, but still kind of amazingly done is a yes. great description of this movie. I do think there are moments, though, that really get you because you aren't used to seeing him go so dark or so grim or something, even though I think he's had those moments in all of his movies. I don't know. There's just something about this that does feel cool. Like if you've had that, oh, it'd be neat to see some of these directors that you like play in a genre and like, oh, this is their horror movie or this is their thriller or something. I think this this movie does have, like it's very, I kind of recommend people watch it, but I also feel like it does have, there's something awkward, even in some some of the performances, which are quite good, but some of the scripting and stuff, I don't know. There's something about it that feels like you're expected to deal with this kind of very mannered world and and I don't know, there's some performances that, that take a little getting used to, but I don't think there's anything about it that's like a slip in quality. It's all very deliberately constructed. It's similar to the conversation you might have about a Wes Anderson movie, where it's just like, there's a style and a snap and a feel to Edgar Wright's movies. And yeah. you kind of, if you like that, this definitely is a dose of that stuff. And I liked seeing him play with with creepy stuff and horror. Um, I do think maybe it's just a little, like it takes a little while to get to what the story really is. And when it kicks in, then you have to reinvest and you're like an hour in already. I think sometimes that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but I can see why he wanted to establish sort of the normal world before he gets into the really nutty stuff. But the, yeah, the, the nightmarish imagery, some of it is really inventive and great. And some of it is like, oh, okay, just, you, you know, you kind of expect it. But the way it treats like those, those, spectral men that are kind of chasing her and stuff Ronald, the way they're just kind of everywhere that that stuff yes. was, was creepy and i agree it with you creepy, that, the, that the transitions between the the two worlds the past and the present um or the kind of real world and this kind of nightmare world that stuff was done again very, visually very well it makes you realize that edgar wright would probably have directed a lot of really cool music videos yeah, if, uh, yeah. if he had done them and in fact he probably has done it but um but yeah, this movie just looked really neat, and there were some great transitions. <clears throat> yeah. Did you see it, Steve? No, I haven't yet. I, oh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron and I were going to watch the other night and just got completely sidetracked, never like hoping to see it before the podcast. Yeah. But There's a scene I, that's like going between the two worlds, and they take a, a club song from in the modern era and something from the past and layer it, and it almost sounds like it's like a, like a DJ's doing it. Like a and it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. woven so like it's it's like I've never heard anything like it before and I've never seen anything done that way and the transitions between the two worlds is like pretty seamless but it, you're right like once they stay in one for long enough we go to the other one it's like what am I what's happening right now like it's I feel like we're lingering in one of these for too long at any given time and when it's done well it's 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 damn near perfect. That's the that's the issue I have with it. Like it's it's done so well when it's when it, when it's working, it's working, and and the lulls that it has really takes away from the pace because it really gets like, oh god, I'm going between these two worlds. What's that? What the hell is happening? It's like a, a a cool mystery. It's like a real mystery that has a lot of twists and turns. And it's a good um, no escape situation. It's one of those where yes. it's like you're two thirds, three quarters in, and you really are kind of going, ah, oh, I kind of feel, you know, you get you get almost tense watching one of those movies where you feel sort of bad for the predicament of the character because you're like, well, how would you get out of this? You know, how would yeah. you stop this? Once you've encountered this, 
you're kind of tainted by it and you have to deal with this thing that you don't understand. Um, I think in that sense, it really conforms to that sort of horror, sort of slow burn horror effect of by the time, you know, this character is, is kind of losing themselves to this other world. Um, but also the fact that you've got the two actresses and it's not really clear what's yeah. happening there at first. But um, I don't know, maybe the trailer actually spells out a lot of it. But I remember it being somewhat on the edge of my seat just trying to figure out what was going on. But the mystery part, you're right, Ronald, there is a lot of like, now what? Now what do we do? Well, now that we know this is going on, and it's like set up to make her look crazy at every turn. You know, it's one of right. those where yeah. like if she were to stop and try to explain to someone what's happening the idea that anyone might believe her is nuts. There's one character, though, who does believe her, and I think that's a significant character turn as well for her to realize she's got this one friend, that the, the guy who basically says, oh, yeah, you know, either his sister has seen a lot of weird shit or just something, but it's like it's cool at that moment in the movie to realize, oh, good, at least somebody's going to listen to her because it starts to feel kind of claustrophobic when a character is, like, running out of options and acting crazier and crazier. Um, so, yeah. What would what would you consider? Is this his is this his least favorite of uh, of your least favorite of his movies? For sure. See, I don't know. I I thought Baby Driver was great on a certain level, but also it was so, it was so surface level that I, I haven't. Uh, it kind of has. I don't know if it stuck with me as much. So I don't know maybe. if I would say maybe this and Baby Driver are kind of they're kind of hand in hand for me. Uh, they're both very flashy and stylish. Yeah. Uh, there's only one that has Kevin Spacey in it though, so that kind of is a mark against Baby Driver. The, but I, sh I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't ding the movie for that. I didn't <clears throat> love the pub one quite as much. Yeah. As I loved the other no, ones. you might be right. Yeah, I think that might be it. So it's like the pub one might be the least favorite. Then. Soho and then Baby Driver, but they're all good. It's not. It's like this is Edgar Wright we we're talking about a right. guy who really could tell a good story, good sense of humor throughout, um, and knows how to make movies. I mean, thinks about yeah. movies and like visualizes things and has, like I said, has ideas about how to pull you through a story visually. And that is something that sounds obvious, but you watch a lot of movies that are basically like TV movie level in terms of. The creativity behind now TV movies are pretty good, but you know what I mean about like just a bunch of two shots and establishing shots and no imagination. He's a guy who kind of invents new processes and new ways of moving the camera yeah. for his yeah. movies. So this is this is one. But here's the thing about this movie: I I would suggest this to people. It's like if somebody's like, I need a, a movie with some suspense and some. I got one for you, and it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just show Aaron Malignant. <laughs> I everybody doesn't love that movie, but it's something that will guarantee you you will you'll go through th some things watching it. It's Last a conversation Soho's, piece for sure. Yeah, it's a conversation piece, man. This feels like that. Like I'll I would suggest that movie at any point. Like oh yeah, Last Night in Soho, check it out. Well, you are always talking about like the home uh, theater aspect of movies. This seems like it would be a really good home theater movie. Oh, Maybe boy. even sound wise, it'd be good. Was it not? <sighs> Look, man, I I don't I, I don't want to brag about that. It just it sounds really good. It sounds yeah. like I'm I'm getting to the point now where like I'm trying to get away from like watching things just because they sound good. But like <laughs> I told Steve, I, I want to you know listeners, I want to create a uh, a YouTube video of like maybe five or ten movies this year that were just great sounding films, and you know at some point. In the next couple of months, I, I would love for you guys to come through and like listen to something that's really very. I'm gonna say, let's do an episode about it. Okay, 
You know, let's try to talk about sound and sound, you know, like we could maybe at least cover your list on the episode. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. It's a topic we haven't really delved into before. Yeah. I don't think. I went back and watched a movie that Steve championed and it fucking blew my mind. It's a Mel Gibson directed movie. Uh, the upcoming Lethal Weapon <laughs> Five. Is that what it is? Fucking Hacksaw Ridge, man. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. But a, a good movie on its own merit, by its own merit. But like, sound, yeah. It it was unreal. Like it should not have sounded this fucking good. That might have gotten nominated that year for sound mixing or editing. Yeah, it was also brutal. He- I know he got nominated for director for that. Yes, it was it was a great movie, man. God, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I would love to do an episode about that. We should do that. Yeah, man. So, anything else? Mm. We've been we've been going for a nice little while here, but there's probably something. I mean, I can rattle off some things if you want me to. I don't know if you want me to do this. Yeah, I was gonna say, why don't we just go through like just mentioning like this, this like quick because there's a couple that I wanted to mention too. But why don't you throw a couple out there, Ronald? Okay, rattle them. Got got two Netflix things, Ronald. If you you do like a segment for this on the video, throw in like a rattlesnake thing. (laughs) This is the rattle off. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do that. Um, Maybe a baby rattle and a, t- and a snake <laughs> rattling at each other. I don't know. It's too much. But so uh, I'm going to start with Netflix. True story with Kevin Hart. Okay, all right, Kevin Hart. Maybe you're trying to get into some drama. Wasn't didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Bruised, Holly Berry. I really enjoyed it. I will probably watch it again. I like seeing Holly Berry beat people up. Power of the Dog. Really good movie. I yeah, very I much enjoyed it. That's like on my very torturous list. in some ways. Um, this movie, India Sweets and Spices, which is about uh, the India diaspora and and like the, the differences when you come to to America. You know, financially, what you're doing in India can greatly affect your life in America and. It might make my top 10 list. It might make my top 10 list. It was really good. Another one. The Last Duel. Jesus. Okay, so the more I think about it, you know, I kind of mentioned it to Steve. Uh, It is... People may be a little bothered by the format of it because it tells a story three different ways. And if you aren't good with that idea of of a film doing that, you might get a little pissed off by it. But if you see the the slots, I don't, I, Ridley Scott shouldn't be making movies as good at, at what is it, like 70 something? Oh, he's 80. It is 80. 80. Okay. Yeah. So this movie, the different perspectives are filling in parts from each perspective that you didn't see. So it's not like you're watching the exact same thing three sure. times. You're just seeing it from a different perspective, something that literally wasn't mentioned in one of the perspectives. It's like Rashomon kind of thing, where yeah, it's like man. You, 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 you learn that maybe certain accounts are more accurate than others or something. Yes. Too. Yes, man. Um, Silent that's hand, Night. That's the hand signal for accurate yes, storytelling. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Silent Night, which was a... Uh, it, it's definitely a COVID-based horror film thing that was... Bleak as all hell. Steve, you saw it? Yeah, yeah. Here's a problem. You will not find out through the trailer, description, 
or anything how bleak this movie is. And it doesn't really, it's not one of those movies that eases up. It doesn't, it's, you're going to get the humor within the first 20 minutes and then everything else is going to make, Aaron had to watch another thing after it. Like she watched 21 Jump Street just to like make herself feel, feel better. better. Yeah, yeah because like, like this, the people are horrible. The story is bleak as all hell. It's, it's like, bleak. Yeah, the the world is ending. You know, just just watch it if you want to feel sad. Because here's 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 the deception of that movie. There's a bunch of comedic actors in it, so you're gonna think, oh man, this is gonna be funny. This mm-hmm. person's from The Office. This person's from a couple British comedies I know. This person's from. No, it is not funny in that way. It has moments of it, but no. Uh, yeah. Ron's gone wrong. I really enjoyed that. Um, That's just a fun. statement about this show. Yeah, yeah. Ron's gone wrong, man. Ron's gone wrong. Uh, but yeah, very. That's the spinoff of movie Schmoofy. <laughs> <laughs> really fun movie, uh, worth checking out. Very cool commentary on technology. A twenty four is the humans on Showtime. Another bleak movie. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, Lake Mungo, because I because you suggested it. Yes, Steve. I watched it too. Uh, I watched what it, I a weird it. ass movie, man. Yeah, very strange and moody, and I, I totally agreed, Steve. The atmosphere and atmosphere. the way the way it used the the found footage or mockumentary format was like it was a perfect way to make this story creepy. Have we talked about it since I've seen it on an episode, or did we talk about it off mic? Because there's that one I, moment in that that truly is like a shit your yeah. pants kind of moment yeah. where it's like it's training your eye to look for something, and then when you see, and I saw the thing before they commented on the thing. And I was like, what was that? And when they commented yeah. on it, I felt this real chill of like, oh, yes. shit, I didn't just imagine crazy, it. You know, man. anyway, if you've seen it, you know. But like, and then know, yeah. three HBO. This is my homage to HBO right now. So boom, 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 go. Eight bit Christmas. Homage box, see, box office. Eight bit Christmas. Very good movie. Please see it. Very cool. It feels like a modern classic. Quick comment. I agree. It is going to be a classic Christmas movie. I, okay. I, so I got, I'm not. I, no, you're not crazy. It's great. It is. It's. A, Modern it's going to be classic. something that like I'll watch every year, I think. Yes. It's, it's so good. Uh, season two of Love Life. Perfection. And then Mindy Kaling's Sex Li- The Sex Lives of College ki- College Girls. Girls, yeah. So fucking good. It should not have been as good as it was. And it was so good. The perspective is new. And it feels like a tropey sort of thing. Because if you watch the... Um, standouts, Timothy Chalamet's sister, incredible in it. And the cast is just really cool, very diverse. Touches on a bunch of stuff with economics and sexuality. And so that's my that's that's what I've been watching lately. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Zoom uh, or uh, the social media, whatever. The one of the movies you mentioned, you said, was kind of a, a COVID era thing. Maybe that's all you were talking about. Oh, Silent Night. Silent Night. Uh, but yeah. but it made me think about uh, Host, which is another COVID era movie that oh, we watched. That was. I love that. But movie. it reminded it reminded me of a. Here's my pitch for a for a COVID era comedy: a guy who is having all these Zoom conversations with his family and then gradually realizes that they're actually all in one place and he's the only one who's not at the house <laughs> with them anyway i watched it but they're, watch they're, it. They're, they're pretending to be in different locations but somebody walks through in the background or something and then he realizes that they've all been they've all been together this whole time right steve what else have you seen? Yeah, let me go through a couple real quick. I think Ronald may have seen one or two of these. Uh, I finally saw Love Hard on Netflix. 
holiday. So good. Another good Netflix rom-com. I love rom-coms. It's a quiet like genre that I will always love and I always mm-hmm. go back to. And we don't get a lot of great rom-coms anymore. And this one was that I thought was like at least a very good one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not great, but, um, you know, I think. Uh, it was entertaining, I really, man. I really like Jimmy O. Yang, and I think he's really great and charming in the show. And it's like a different role for him. Yeah. Um, and I thought it worked really well. I, too, again, just to say one more time, 8-Bit Christmas was great. Uh, check it out, HBO Max. Uh, I love Steve Zahn and I love how much of Steve Zahn I'm seeing recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he, he's in this movie as the father. Um, he's he's a guy flashback. whose name is primed for one of those Renaissance puns. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. The, the Steve oh Zahnaissance? Yeah. Or the oh. Steve Renaissance? Renaissance. I mean, come on. And he's better. kind of in it because he's got the White Lotus. He's yep. got this. He's going to be in that uh, George and Tammy Faye miniseries with Jessica yep. Chastain and Michael Shannon. And he's got something else that I just I just heard him on a podcast. He was talking about something else that he just shot that seemed like it could be a big no, his thing. Name, his name was mentioned in something else that was already a project I was interested in. Yes, and then his name yes. came up. So, yeah. I love him. Love him. No, love him. He's amazing. Yeah. So good. Um, the Jagged documentary, also on HBO Max. Lannis Morissette's Janice, Jagged Little Pill. I wanted to see uh, that. How was I it? Thought it was, I thought it was really good. I mean, especially that album, you know, kind of hitting right at my sweet spot in at that age and that time in my life. Um, really kind of interesting to hear more about her rise in uh, in the in in pop culture and music history, where she goes down in history books and like, especially of that era, like the MTV yeah. era of it all. Um, but yeah, re- I thought it was pretty good, Doc. Um, something I saw that I thought was fucking hilarious, and I can't wait until the next one comes out next week, was uh, South Park post COVID. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, oh my god, Ronald! It was. I mean, I haven't been like super into South Park in a long yeah, time. Yeah, me either. But me either. I kind of, I just like fumbled up, you know, and watched it one morning, and mm. I was, I was dying. Like I was laughing so hard. <laughs> okay. Um, and partially because I hadn't watched South Park in so long. I saw yeah. the other special they had like uh, last year or whatever it was, um, and I thought that that was good. But this one was like I thought was very good. Okay. And the next one of these Paramount Plus. TV movies comes out, I think next Thursday. Mm. Um, so it's like South Park post COVID COVID returns is what the next one's called. <laughs> um, so well, I mean, even, even when I was religiously watching that show, I would feel like there would be just kind of decent episodes and then there'd be the yeah. ones where they would really hit something out of the park and find some new thing. So I feel like that makes sense, but those are brilliant guys. They're oh super God, funny. Dude. They're, they're and, so and, smart. And it is a Simpsons type concept or a or whatever, a Weird Al, an SNL. It's one of those concepts that as long as you can keep it somewhat fresh, you can, if you stay on that same edge, it doesn't matter what's changing in the culture because you're still going to be going for, you know what I mean? You've still got that yeah, same yeah, point yeah, of totally. view that the, that the show has. Um, so no, I, I yeah, I have, I kind of fell out of South Park many years ago, but every time I hear what they're doing, I've been impressed in recent years to hear like, they're still trying new shit all the time and yeah, kind of taking yeah. on almost a more epic feel like really, you know, that sh- and plus that show's been around forever now too. That's it crazy. Has been, that oh it's God. like a, it's like a, a golden oldie now, you know? Yeah. It's man. And the rate at which they're able to kind of like inject their take on what's happening like yesterday. Yeah. It's just like. It's kind of scary in ways. Um, I did manage to see uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City out of pure curiosity, um, only because I love those games growing Weirdest up. Weirdest title <laughs> ever. 
and I'd heard that the the movie was like super faithful to the games, and oh, okay. and I will, I will say it is to mm. to a degree at which it is so disappointing the movie is that bad. Oh that, wow! Like how, it's like this balance of like how faithful to the game are you going to be that like the people that love the game, which I'm not a gamer, but like this is a title that like I remember playing a lot and really loving at that time, and um, the first two games specifically, which is what this movie is based on, and it's like ridiculously faithful to the game in terms of like the look, the layout, the world, the map, like to the point that, you know, I was reading like that they got like the schematics from Capcom of like the police station and like the mansion and those, those iconic set pieces in the game. And it's crazy when they walk into it, you know, it's like, it's like the POV shots of the game are just like (laughs) mapped out. It's, It's really cool in that sense. But the movie's bad. I mean, like, it's just like a, it's Dang. just a mess of a characters and the script is horrible. And, um, but I mean, it didn't cost a lot of money to make. So, I mean, they might, they might be making more. I don't know. But, um, if you want to see like a really faithful movie adaptation of a game, it's that, but it's also just a bad movie. Um, <laughs> to be, to, to be blunt. Uh, I said, I already saw Silent Night. The only thing I really want to mention, um, and we kind of want to run here with Showtime talking about Dexter New Blood. You mentioned the humans. Um, probably my favorite show that I've been watching recently is uh, one of their other new shows, uh, which airs right, I think, alongside Dexter, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, is Yellow Jackets, which is, um, you know, kind of staying in this like 90s vibe of mentioning Jagged um, and, you know, not not so much ape at Christmas, maybe, but uh, this lost ish kind of drama mystery series about this group of um, a girls soccer team that's flying to like a championship and this their plane goes down in the nineties and they're basically stuck there. I want to say it was for like nine months or nine or nineteen months, some some crazy amount of time until they were rescued. Um, so the story of the show takes place in two timelines, the nineties during the event and present day, you know, with the adult versions of these characters and you're kind of slowly meeting the adult versions of these, you know, women who survived. And there's a mystery of what actually happened when they were there. And like, they don't talk about it and people are asking them and, you know, through these flashbacks, that are kind of tied to what's happening in the present day. Um, you're learning about like kind of how off the rails certain things went and it mm. gets very like lost E Lord of the flies, crazy stuff uh, with, with what happened on that Island. Um, but there's a big mystery around it and uh, love Melanie Linsky. And she's like basically the star of the show. And uh, you know, Juliet Lewis is in it. Uh, Christina Ricci is in it. Um, names that people would probably recognize but um that show is great so far and i mean it's only through four episodes i think um comes on sundays um on showtime and if you're even if it's only for the crazy ass perfect 90s alt soundtrack that it offers it's <laughs> worth watching or at least finding the spotify playlist that showtime puts out every week for the songs uh in the show because it is awesome uh curious uh, the curation of that soundtrack is great, but the show itself is also really good. Um, just, you know, the way it's kind of dealing with this trauma and the tragedy of what these, these girls went through as teenagers and kind of still how they're dealing with it um, and coping with it as, as adults. And um, 
yeah, it's just a great news show that I don't think enough people are talking about. So Yellow Jackets is on Showtime. I watched a pilot and really liked it. Yeah, I think you'll dig it. I mean, like if you get, yeah, it's only, uh, yeah, four episodes in, but uh, I think you both would really like it. No, I mean, um, I, it's it's definitely one that I had intended to watch before we recorded this and I just ran out of time, but I'm glad to yeah. hear that it's as good as it seems. Yeah, it's great. The, the uh, cast what about alone. Anything, anything else that you saw, John, you want to mention real quick before we wrap up? I think I think I've said enough, and we've 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 surely given these people enough bang for their buck in terms of uh, <laughs> just sheer number of things mentioned. Uh, I, I I would I guess I'd throw back just a reference to the Get Back documentary on Apple uh, uh, or Disney Plus. Oh right, right. Um, you know, it's 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 really interesting to see somebody come up with the stuff that you've listened to a million times. It's really interesting seeing a band in the studio, even the moments where certain things happen that you know this is the moment that has become iconic because it's been on this record. And they occasionally will have a little thing that come up on the screen, comes up on the screen that says, this is the, this this performance is the one from the album. You know, like, so they're letting you know like those iconic moments. But just, I don't know, like, you know, whatever you think of the Beatles, these guys were kind of geniuses of the pop rock song form and seeing how they were able to work at this point, seeing the kind of interconnectedness of the band. I mean, definitely these are complex guys and these are, you know, John Lennon is kind of a problematic figure for a lot of reasons. And, and, uh, you know, Paul, Paul and Ringo are the ones who are left, but like, there's just weird moments. Like there's a moment where Paul and Ringo are sitting there and the, there's debate, George has left the band and there's debate about whether John's going to come in. And Paul just says, and then there were two. And it's like, Okay, they they didn't know that. I, I don't believe they knew that, but that's the kind of thing that's very eerie now. There's another wow. thing Paul says in this one when it looks like the Beatles wow. might be breaking up, because Yoko's been like at John Lennon's side the whole time they've been recording these things. And mm. a lot of people comment on that. I think that's something John Lennon wanted. I don't think that was her forcing her way in. Um, but she does not seem like she's the issue at all with like the oh, Beatles. I've, all the, I've seen all the, that. Everywhere. All the stories you've heard about, like, the she's the reason the Beatles broke up. She doesn't seem to be. But Paul knows that she's got this image. She's like a divisive figure. And he's he speaks well of their love and kind of says, well, it might be odd to have someone around all the time, but that's their love. And, like, he's, like, very respectful. Even yeah. when these guys are having disputes, the way they talk about each other is just full of, like, brotherly kind of sentiment and, like, the way they can be very polite even when they're, you know, talking about whether to stay together. But he says this thing. He says... Oh, in 50 years, people are going to look back and say, uh, uh, the Beatles broke up because Yoko was there sitting on an amp. And he's poking fun at that notion, you know, saying wow. people are going to think, and it's like, well, fuck it, dude, you called it. Like, people are Damn. really do think, yes, it's it's not the four grown men who seem to be going different directions in this room that broke this band up. It's, the, it's a woman. It has to be a woman. You know, that's culturally... So, like, you can see that that is based in something very offensive. So, I don't know. It's not like the movie just does that, but you definitely it does kind of redeem Yoko in the sense of she just kind of seems like she's a she's around for John, like she's supporting him. But the Beatles, yeah, you 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 know already how you feel about them. I think even if you don't like them, you might find this uh, an interesting thing to watch because of just the the way it lays the process bare. But if you are a Beatles fan, there's so many little Easter eggs and little moments that will just make you like shout at the screen like there's a part where paul is singing a lyric uh the jojo left his home in tucson arizona but he's like um he left his home like uh he basically is not putting the the emphasis there he's something it's like the left his home is in a different point so he'd left his home in arizona but he's he's fine trying to find the word to put in there and you're just sitting there 
going, Tucson, Tucson, just, just <laughs> Tucson, say Tucson. And then there's a part where he kind of goes back and forth and he goes like, Tucson, Arizona. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And John Lennon is like, oh, it's Tucson in Arizona. You just hear him say that off camera. But it's like, I don't know, little moments like that that are nothing if you're writing a song, but the whole thing of coming back 50 years later and you've heard this song yeah, so many crazy. times, right. it's oh crazy. God. And and, and you, you might get goosebumps and you might get tearful. Like my dad and I really related over the music of the Beatles. So for me, this was very much a sort of bittersweet, like the Beatles and my dad are kind of synonymous. They're kind of his generation. They were kind of his music. Um, So yeah, for me, it was an extremely emotional watch, but at eight hours or close to it, it's, it's a lot if you're, if you're just dipping in to see what, what the hubbub is about, you know? So, Mm. so I still highly recommend it, but I have a feeling anyone who wants to see this thing has probably already started it. So (laughs) I I haven't, I'm very excited to see it. My dad watched it and and yeah, like the same thing. That's a band my dad and I have that we bond over. And uh, he's like in love with it. Like he's like texting me about it and shit. And I'm just like, oh my God, I got to, I got to make time for this because I need to see this. Um, I know how you get in your feels, Steve. I guarantee you there'll be at least two or three moments where where all the hairs on your body will stand up because you've also, you too, Ronald, you're performers. Like you've been in front of an audience. You know what it's like to do certain, I mean, not to say you know what it's like to be the Beatles, but I'm saying like (laughs) there's something about just seeing creative people be creative. I don't know that I've ever seen it quite laid out so much and with such like so much footage that you're seeing songs develop over days and days and seeing how it goes when when like one person clearly likes a song more than everybody else but over the course of a few days it starts to grow i don't know it's 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 really that's neat. awesome yeah that's awesome that's it all right cool man well that's uh, a ton a ton a ton as they say so of, much uh, to catch up on if you haven't watched it because we just gave you so many options um I don't know what the plan is for next week, but I don't think we'll see Spider-Man before it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see what else we've seen between now and then. Um, Movieshmovie.com is the website. You can find all the links to the podcast uh, platforms that you might want to subscribe to, or you can listen to it right on the website. Um, also, the social media links are all there. Everything but YouTube is slash Movieshmovie. YouTube is slash Movieshmovie podcast. I had to differentiate it because, you know, it was already taken. But... Uh, if you want to watch the video element to, to, to again, see John uh, trudging, is, is, is that what you were doing earlier? I was doing the hi-ho. Um, yeah, and I yeah. also <laughs> did the hand signal for, I forget what this was the hand signal for, but it was something. I don't know, but you can see him doing it again as now we're trending <laughs> right. in once more. Uh, but all that's for you to, to enjoy on the YouTube channel if you subscribe. And if you do subscribe, make sure you turn on the notifications so that you can, uh, you know, get those alerts when the episodes pop up there. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with a new episode, hopefully. Um, we can make all the time you work out. Hopefully it's a fun one. Uh, and I'm good if you guys are good. Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.